Welcome this morning. Things maybe are a little different. We've had to change some things up, avoid the wet spots. So I'd like to start with a story because that's how I like to start a lot of different things. One day there was a smuggler and he was traveling to the border between two lands. With him he had a donkey and some bales of straw. As he approached the border, the border guard looked at him and said, if you wish to sell anything at market, you must pay a border fee. The man said, I have nothing you can search. The border guard searched the straw. There was straw on the ground, there was straw in the air, there was straw all around. But as much as he searched, he couldn't find anything. You may go. The man went his way. I know he is smuggling something, the guard said. But what could it be? The next day, the man returned with his donkey and more straw. If you wish to cross, I know. Search. So he searched the straw. Soon there was straw on the ground, straw in the air, straw around. But he found nothing. Go. I know he is smuggling something. For ten years, every day, the man came with his donkey and straw. And the border guard never found anything. One day he retired and he was walking through the market and he was focused on this. Oh, I know he was smuggling something. Maybe if I checked the donkey's mouth or the hairs between his tail. And then he saw a familiar man in the crowd. You, come here, he said. You were that smuggler. Tell me the truth. You were smuggling something, weren't you? Yes, he said. Tell me, what was it? Donkeys, he said. You see, the border guard had what maybe we refer to as tunnel vision. He was so focused on what he thought the man could be smuggling, he overlooked the larger picture. He overlooked the donkey. I think we do that a lot. I think in our own lives, we overlook the donkey. We get tunnel vision. Last semester, at the beginning, I stood here in front of all of you, and I said that that this, this year would go by very quickly that it would pass and we had opportunities to engage and, and, and do the right things or we had opportunities to miss out. And I, I made a pledge to you that I would try to attend things, that I would be involved, I would, I would pour into you to the best of my abilities. Now, I know there are times when I probably failed, times when I struggled because I had tunnel vision. I've been to a lot of games last semester. I have attended a lot of events. But as a whole, at any given time, we fail. But God is the God of second chances. And just like I had that opportunity last semester to get involved, I have a second chance this semester to get involved as well. Now, that's me. Where are you guys at? Last semester, I told you that 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 could happen. And and some of you engaged. Some of you had tunnel vision, though. Some of you became very focused on your sport. Maybe you became very focused on a boyfriend girlfriend. Let's be honest, some of you became focused on alcohol. Some of you got very focused on drugs, smoking, inappropriate sexual relationships. We're aware. We know you're aware. Some of you focused on your relationships with Christ. Well done. Some of you even focused on your classes. We appreciate that. Some of you did not. We know who you are and you know who you are. But what's great about this semester is God's giving you a second chance. He's giving all of us a second chance to take off our blinders, get rid of our tunnel vision that has us focused on one thing over everything else that's going on, and to re-engage, to to pay attention, to get involved, uh, 
to worship him once more. So I want you to look at this semester as a semester of second chances. The Bible is full of stories of second chances. And I, I want to explore three different stories today and take a look how we can see God as the God of second chances within those stories. But what's great is in each story, multiple times, there are multiple examples of second chances. So, so we're going to jump in and we're going to explore. And the first story I want to take a look at has multiple chances, and maybe we're going to look at it from a different perspective than you're used to. I don't know. But you've probably heard it, but I don't want to assume you're familiar. So we're going to take a look at the prodigal son in Luke, right? Maybe you've heard it. Uh, and what I want to do is I want to start by reading just the very beginning, and then I want to talk about who we're actually talking to within this story. Right, so the prodigal son, it starts a little something like this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So if we know the story of the prodigal son, we know there is a prodigal son. And, and, and we can see where Jesus is talking to these sinners, these horrible tax collector people. But who else is he talking to? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were there watching. And they're listening and they're muttering. And I honestly believe this story is as much to the people in the front as it was to those in the back. (laughs) All of you. That idea of he is telling us this story to try to connect with those teachers, to try to connect with those uh, religious elite and say, look, you need a second chance. You need to get things right. So let's take a look. We actually jump into the prodigal son in verse 11. So let's join there. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the land, the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything to eat. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to him, or the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robes and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, listen to this part. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The other brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving away for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me and my friends, um, you never gave me even a young goat to celebrate with my friends. 
But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is now found. So we see two stories here. We have the younger brother and we have the older brother. And the younger brother obviously uh, is maybe who he's talking to in the front row. It's this brother who's been lost. He's gone out. He's, uh, he's lived a wild lifestyle. Maybe some of you can relate last semester. Doing things he shouldn't have been doing. But he's come to his senses. He's come home and the father has welcomed him back. Giving him another chance. Some of us can relate there. Some of us maybe were the older brother last semester though. We, uh, we, uh, I live a good life. I'm a good person. I don't do what I shouldn't be doing. Uh, and this bum, he's coming home and you're okay with that? How many of us have sat around and saw people we know or people around us uh, living inappropriate choices? And then all of a sudden they get it right and someone's excited for them like, I've been doing it right all along. Nobody's throwing me a party. Where's my party? Where's my fattened calf? Where's my feast? And that's the Pharisees. That's the teachers of the law that he's talking to. He's saying, look, don't be the older brother. You're back there. You have such focused tunnel vision of what's right and what's wrong that you don't see me. You don't see the message that I'm spreading. You don't see that Jesus is telling them that I love everybody. And they were so focused, so tunnel vision on what they thought were happening. They missed the donkey, the one Jesus wrote in on in the prophecies. They missed it. They missed it because of the tunnel vision. Now, we, we maybe are like the older brother sometimes, judgy when those, uh, of those people who aren't doing it right, but maybe they don't know. Now, I could say all of you have sat through chapel, so you know whether or not you agree or you believe, you know. But, but maybe it hasn't touched your hearts yet. And, and so for those of us who get it, it's hard enough, guys. How, how many of you would honestly say most days you feel like you're just treading water, right? Just trying to keep your head above water. We're just trying to swim towards land, whatever direction that may be. Swim towards Jesus, try to get it right. And if somebody else gets it right, they get that second chance, and they're swimming in the right direction, let's throw them a party. Let's accept them in. Let's, let's not be the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. We have to change our heart. We have to give everyone a second chance. And if you're being judgy this semester or last semester, this is your chance to put down the judginess and love, as Jesus has told us to. So we get that from Luke. Uh, we can look at it from two different, two different perspectives. And the big part of it is don't be the Pharisees. But there's another story here when we look at at this God of second chances and, and what happens there. And, and how many of you are familiar with the story of Jonah? I love this story because there's so many second chances and I love the ending. And, and maybe you're familiar, maybe you're not. Um, I'm not going to read all four chapters. Or, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, what's interesting about Jonah is Jonah is this, this prophet who gets his own freaking book, right? He has his own book in the Bible <laughs> and he's not getting it right throughout hardly any of it. And, and so let's, let's take a look. I'm going to put this down because I want to tell you the story, right? So Jonah, he, he, he's doing his thing. He's a prophet, right? And God says, go to Nineveh. Tell them that they're not doing right and I will smite them. And Jonah's like, no. Like, he's reluctant. He's like, he's not, he's not just reluctant. He's, 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 no, I'm not going to do that. And he runs away and he goes down to a port in Joppa and he gets in with some Phoenicians, Mediterranean sailors. And he's like, I'm just going to go my own way. 
And he starts going his own way, and storms come on, like lightning, we assume, I don't know. And the, the sailors are freaking out. They're like, somebody has angered the gods, or a god, or whoever. They're not sure. They just know somebody's taken somebody off. And so they draw straws, and of course, Jonah draws a short straw, right? <laughs> he's like, oh, that's great. And, and so they look at him, and he's like, yeah, it's me. I did it. I did that. That was me. It's my fault. And uh, so they're like, what do we do? And he's like, you got to throw me overboard. Like, what, what? No, he's just throw me overboard. It's fine. So they throw him overboard, and calm. And like all good stories, a giant fish comes and eats Jonah, right? It could be a giant whale. We don't know. And if you get eaten by a giant fish, the moral of this story is that you must pray and sing songs to God for three days. Because uh, that's what Jonah does. He's just sitting in there, you know, like, ooh, kumbaya. Um, and praying. And finally, uh, he says, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. Stop twisting my arm. I will go. I will tell the people of Nineveh the good news. And so, you know, God's like, spit him up. And so the fish spits him up conveniently on a beach. It would have been rough if it had been in the middle of the water. And he goes to Nineveh, but he's ticked. He does not want to be there. The Ninevehs have, they have a bad reputation, right? There's not been great uh, camaraderie between the two. Uh, and so he really he didn't want to go because why? Because God's got a second chances, and he knows this. And he knows if he goes and he tells Nineveh what's about to happen, there's the possibility that they will ask for forgiveness. He doesn't want to give them that opportunity. But he goes. And he's like, stop, don't do it. You'll be smited. He doesn't say a whole lot. He's pretty short. And, you know, he obviously does. And they're like, oh, God has spoken to us. And they put on sackcloth and they set in ashes and they repent and they fast. And Jonah's mad because he knew this is what would happen. They've repented. And he goes out and he sits in the desert and he throws a little fit. He's like, stupid Nineveh, God-given people. And he's angry, and he's throwing like an, he's, he's being a teenager. I didn't say that. But he's mad. He did what God told him to do, yes. Right? How many of us do what God tells us to do? Sometimes. And then how many times have we done something like God tells us to do something like, yeah, but I didn't want to do that. I'm not happy I did that. This is Jonah. I give you Jonah. And so Jonah's sitting out there, and he's angry, and this plant grows up beside him rather quickly, and big leaves come out, and he's like, ah. Because he's in the desert, and the leaves provide shade, and he's like, I like this plant. And then a worm eats it, and it dies, because that's Jonah's luck. And Jonah's like, oh, just kill me, right? Because the hot wind is blowing in his face, and he's angry, because he was sitting out there hoping that if he distanced himself, the Nineveh, they would be like, oh, no, never mind. We don't repent, and smite, and they'd be dead, and he'd be free of the, you know, whatever happens. But it doesn't go that way. He's sitting out there. He's angry. He's, he's talking to God, and he's like, why? I'm mad just kill me. I don't even need the answers. But what I love about this story is God is sitting there with him, talking to him the whole time, right? He, he, he's running from God. He's pouting. He's done what he's supposed to do, but he's not happy about it. And God's like, hey, dude, dude, Jonah, psst, I still love you. And then he's like, hey, you know that plant that grew up that you really liked it? That was my Nineveh. When you get upset when the plant died, yeah, I'm infinitely more upset if Nina were to die because they're my people. And I love them much more than you love a plant. And Jonah's still ticked, right? Some of my favorite, like, book series or, or movies or TV shows is that idea that when it ends, like, you, you know, you've watched it for several seasons and it ends and nothing changes. It's a, like, my happiness would be it was a normal episode and you get the idea that it just continues. The world doesn't end. 
If I watch a TV show and at the end they like destroy the world and they move people away, and I'm like, it's not the same world. It doesn't still exist. And what I love about this is when it ends, like when it cuts that last scene, Jonah's sitting there mad. But God's sitting there beside him. And come on, we can talk about this. I think some of us get to this place uh, where we're angry and we think we've been abandoned and God has constantly given us a second chance. He gave Jonah a second chance when he ran. He provided him a whale to carry him to land. He gave the Ninevites, or however you say that, you know, however you want to turn that into a, a people, the Ninevians, I don't know. He gave them a second chance to repent. And Jonah, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, but he doesn't have the heart. God doesn't want us just to blindly follow his commandments. He wants us to do it because we want to do it, because we have a right heart. You know, I've done, done things before because the, the Lord has told me to, and then you do them, and you're like, I'm still upset about it. A couple of years, like pre-COVID, like we can now can define time periods by pre-COVID and post-COVID. Um, Pre-COVID, I, I, you know, I had opportunities, and I, I was really interested in them, and uh, I, I felt God telling me what I was supposed to do, and I was like, I don't want to. I don't like that. And then I felt like we had this conversation for like a month, and I was like, ah, oh, I get it. Right? It took time. Jonah takes time. Maybe we're sitting here angry right now because, I don't know, maybe we decided to move to Kansas. <laughs> and you're like, why did I come back? Uh, or maybe something else is going on in our lives. Like, oh, why did it happen? I thought I was doing what I was told to do, and now everything doesn't seem to be going the way I want it to. That happens. Happens more often than we think sometimes. But God's always there with us, constantly offering us that second chance for our hearts to change and go, that's where I'm supposed to be. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yes, and I want to do it for the right reason. So whether or not we're the Ninevites, Ninevians, whatever we want to call them, or Divians, out there living sinful lives, maybe some of you can relate, or whether or not we're Jonah, who is trying to follow the commands of the Lord, but struggling we all have second chances, right? We have a prophet here who's screwing up. We have a society of people who have gone astray. They're the same. They're both getting second chances. All of you. You get a second chance. You get a second chance. It's like giving away cars on Oprah. But people probably don't know Oprah anymore. That's sad. So uh, everyone gets a second chance. And, and, and there's a whole bunch. I, I just have notes, and I, I don't even know where I'm at now. Um, but Jonah's story is interesting in that, that we see some different perspectives. Now, I want to talk to you even about another person, right? How many of you have heard of Peter? Because we talk about him a lot, right? Peter, you know who Peter is? He's like one of the disciples. He follows Jesus around for years, like three. He like eats with him. They pay taxes together. They're tight. They probably like sleep on a cot beside each other. They have conversations. They feed people by the thousands. Just, you know, two dudes chilling. And uh, so he spent three years with Peter, or Peter spent three years with Jesus. Like, you, I mean, if, if I had to pick someone who probably wouldn't need a second chance, like, surely the disciples get it, right? That's not Peter's story. That's just not how he works. So um, we joined Peter three years in, and this is on the night Jesus is going to be betrayed. And they're, they're setting up in the upper room, and they're talking, and I'm not going to try to find it here. Um, this is in uh, John 13, right? And, and it's, it's predicting the denial and so they're setting up there, uh, they're, they're chilling, and he goes, my children, this is Jesus, not Peter, my children, because Peter didn't talk like that, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give to you, love one another 
as I have loved you, so you must love one another. But this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, because we repeat things so people hear it, because a lot of times people don't hear it the first 12 times. Uh, once you have children, it will even make more sense. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times, right? So Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to Peter. Uh, he's telling them, hey, um, I'm going to be leaving. And they still don't quite get it, even if they're spinning. He's like, I'm, I'm going to die. It's, it's okay. It'll be fine. I will come back. And you can't follow me right now. And Peter's like, dude, no, man, I'll follow you. Bro, I'll go anywhere. Just say the word. I'm there. And, and he's, he's, he's consistent. He's like, no, dude. No, bro, man. Um, you're going to deny me three times tonight alone. And Peter's like, and Peter doesn't believe it, right? Because he's Peter. It's how he works. But Jesus is very honest with him. He gives him this verbal spanking, like, no. Even you, a disciple who's been with me this long, who studied with me day and night, you are still missing it. You need another chance to see. And so he predicts the denial. And what happens? Uh, obviously, he's, he's going to be right because he's, he's God. So... We fast forward, right? Uh, they've had this conversation. He's like, no, Peter. Um, and Peter's like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I don't think that's how it actually happened. Uh, and, and Jesus has been grabbed. He's been taken, and he's inside somewhere, and they're, like, talking to him about stuff that they talk to him about. And Peter is now in the courtyard. He's, he's hanging out outside where Jesus is. And Peter is sitting in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. This is Matthew 26, verse 69. You were... With Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I, I don't know what you're talking about. That's what he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and to the people there. She said, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with another. I, I don't know that man. After a little while, those standing went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. And we know how accents are, right? Like, I'm from Missouri. I'm sure you can maybe hear something if you're from Texas or Colorado or somewhere else. I had a friend from Texas once. And she's like, now, y'all, I don't have an accent. I'm like, yes, you do. But they could see Peter had an accent. He wasn't from that area. And they said, yes, you are him. And he's like, no, I do not know this man. And it clicks. Immediately, a rooster crows. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. So we have a man who we think should get it. He's been with Jesus for years. And he's still messing up. You can be a follower who's followed Jesus for years. And you can still mess up. And you can still need a second chance. And we don't need to beat ourselves up over this. Yes, we need to investigate we need uh, accountability. We need to know why we make these mistakes, and we need to try to be better. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to make those mistakes no matter where we're at. And Jesus, uh, Jesus, Peter's making his mistakes, and Jesus is right. He tells them what's going to happen, and it happens. But he's still going to give Peter a second chance. This is the guy who denied God three times, and he knew him. He had traveled with him. He'd even said, who, who do they say I am? Jesus is the one from uh, Messiah and the Son of God. So they knew. They knew who he was. 
But still they were like, no, man, I don't know him. Dude's weird, right? That's a pretty big sin in my book, right? Sin is all sin, but you know, we know the truth. Some sins are worse than others. No, it's not. Probably not biblical. Don't, I didn't say that. You didn't hear it. So what happens? Jesus dies. And then he comes back. And then the dude's just showing up. Like, hey, you walking along? Let's just walk together. You're in the upper room. Hey, here I am. He's just like, think about that, right? That'd be weird. And you're Peter. And Peter's like hearing these stories, and he's seeing Jesus appear, and he's like, I don't get it. And instead of doing what he's being told to do, he's like, screw this, I'm going fishing. Because that's what he knows. He's a fisherman. So what do you do when you're confused? What do you do when you don't know what to do? You go back to what you know best. For Peter, it's fishing. So he's back fishing. Even after Jesus has showed up and told him, I've risen. I'm going fishing. And so he's out, they're fishing, and Jesus is showing up like he does. Then he's like, hey, guys, guys, come here. I got fish. And they come, and they sit down, and they, they have bre it's breakfast on the beach, right? It's like maybe it's second breakfast. I don't know. Um, and, and they have breakfast with Jesus, and then when they finished eating, this is in John 21, verse 15. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt, right? He's, Jesus is asking for the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep right? Three times, Peter said, I don't know you. Three times, he was asked, do you love me? You know I do, Lord. Good, then why are you fishing? Go feed my people. Don't fish for fish. Fish for people. So there's people out there who don't know the word, Peter, and you do. People out there who don't know the truth, Peter. You're a shepherd now, you're not a fisherman. Take care of him. He gives Peter a second chance. A man who denied God three times. We all need second chances. You're never not going to probably need a second chance. That's just the way it works, right? Uh, we all mess up. We say things we shouldn't. Uh, it's, it's pretty typical, right? We're humans. This is how we operate. But the great thing is you're always going to get that second chance as long as you're honestly pursuing the Lord. If you really want to pursue the Lord, you really want what's best, and you want to serve him, He's always going to be there beside you, still talking, until you turn and listen, or you turn and respond. He's never not with us. And I know some of y'all need some second chances this semester, and I hope you, hope you realize that, and I hope you get those second chances. I hope you take, I know you'll get them, while you take a hold of them. So Peter denied Jesus, and he was given a second chance. Maybe as you sit here this morning, you're the judgy older brother who needs to take off those blinders, that tunnel vision, and go, I gotta love everyone. No one's better than anybody else. Maybe you're the younger brother out there living it up, and you need to go, this 
there's another way. This isn't the way. I need to change. Those, those Christians over there, they've got something figured out that I don't think I do. That was my story. Not living it up wild, crazy. I was just driving to community college. I like a 30-minute drive, and I'd be like, bored listening to the radio. And I remember thinking one day, my, I, have a, I have a couple of friends who are Christian, and they, I feel like they know something I don't. I feel like they got something figured out I don't, which led my, to my question. So maybe you're there. Maybe you're mad. Maybe you're Jonah. You're, you're doing what the Lord tells you to do. I don't have to like it. Jesus calls us to have a heart that, that wants to do good. This is maybe your second chance. We all make mistakes. Maybe you're the, 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 the Navians, the Ninevites, the whatever they are, and, and you're much like the younger brother. Maybe it's time to repent. Maybe it's time to open up, take off your glasses, to have you focused in on whatever it is you're focused on, and look at the bigger picture God has in store for you. We all make mistakes. We all need grace. We all need that second, tenth, hundred, thousandth chance to do better. Right? Every day the smuggler came to the border between the two lands. Every day the border guard searched the straw with extreme tunnel vision. Overlooking the big picture. Missing the truth. Every day you wake up with this opportunity. Every day you have the opportunity to remove your tunnel vision to remove the limited focus you have on the world the, with the ability to embrace the fact that it's another day and another chance to try to be better, to try to do better, and another chance to try to be the person God has created each and every one of you to be. Before we leave, I'd like to pray for us if you join with me. Lord, thank you for this morning. You know me, I don't like being up here. It makes me nervous. As just about everyone doesn't maybe like being in front of groups, but I thank you for being with us. I thank you for providing a message. I, I pray that you would be with each and every one as they leave this room today and as we continue throughout this semester, that you would help them to plug into the right places, that you would help them to remove their, their blinders to the world, that you would help them open up and hear you standing beside them, sitting beside them that they would listen to you, that we would grow as community, that we would become stronger, that we would uh, not give in to peer pressure this semester, but that we would listen to the stronger voices telling us your message, that we would be open to hear what you have to say to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have fun.